630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Now 14-1, the Blue Jays leading Texas. Oh, I think they just got another run here. Yes, 15-1 Blue Jays, bottom of the fifth, two out there, blowing out the Rangers tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on uh, 630 Ched. The Eskimos collecting the equivalent of 66,600 pounds of food on Friday. That game against Ottawa, part of the Pure Later Tackle Hunger Initiative. So big thanks to everybody who donated. Edmonton and uh, Eskimos fans always stepping up big for that. Eskimos at Toronto on Friday, 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off here on 630 Ched. The game will begin at 5.30. Well, the Edmonton prospects had their season come to an end on the weekend. They did take their best of three division semifinal to a third and deciding game in Okotoks, but it was Okotoks winning 5-0 to uh, knock the prospects out after they made a pretty amazing late season push to get into the playoffs and to uh, talk about that and more issues surrounding the team the managing partner of the prospects is Patrick Cassidy Patrick welcome back to the show how are you doing I'm doing well Reed. thanks for having me well I appreciate you uh, you checking in tonight it's always nice to have you on the show to talk about what's going on on and off the field let's start uh, on the field you guys had to play uh, seven home games in five days at the end of the year, and you pretty much had to win them all. I mean, maybe six and one would have got you in, but you did win all of them. Uh, just what was it like seeing your coaches and players go through that and go through it so well? Well, uh, you know, we did have to go seven and all because if we went six and one, we would have tied with uh, Fort McMurray, and uh, they would have gotten in based on head-to-head competition this year, so... We, we kind of knew we had to run the table, and uh, and the guys did it. And, you know, I was uh, incredibly proud of the, the coaching staff and, and all the players, and just the way they came together and played for each other and uh, you just, just never gave up and, and uh, pitch after pitch did what they had to do to, to, to win seven games, which is really a, quite a remarkable feat. Tell me a little bit about Game 2 against Okotoks because your your season could have ended there. And speaking of drama, that might have topped anything else you went through this season. Uh, this season, or I think pretty much for just about any season I've been involved with the team, it was uh, it was an incredible baseball game. Uh, we had uh, we had our ace going that night, Hunter Boyd. And as you know, he, uh, he, he, he threw a complete game, 10 innings, 140 pitches or thereabouts. Um, you know he was a beast on the mound, and uh, it, it was uh, it was exciting. And and uh, you know you, you you just can't write write up the way that game ended with that with with the hit up the middle and scores two and it was a bang bang play at home plate and and the umpire calls him safe and I mean the, the place was electric. It just it just went it went nuts. And I was part of that part of that group that went nuts with it. I jumped about six feet in the air and. Everything fell out of my pockets, and it was—it was just—it was, just, uh, was ecstatic. And, was ecstatic. That, and you guys were down. Weren't you down two going to the to the tenth? Was that the comeback? We were, we were down four two, and uh, 
we tied it up and and won five four. Yeah, uh, incredible. Uh, so I mean, you guys, you, you guys toughed it out. It was a very close race for spots two through five uh, in the division. You got in there fourth and, and took on a very powerful uh, Okotoks team, who I think yeah, you had and, knocked out three years in a row. Uh, well, that's it. And, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, can we do this four years in a row? I, what, what are the odds? I, I don't think uh, there's any odds makers that would probably put those odds out there. But I thought they were pretty low, especially when you consider that. Every one of those four years, Okotoks was always one of the top clubs in the division. I mean, they're they're a powerhouse each and every year. We know that. We know, you know, that's that's what we're going to have to face. And uh, uh, to do it three out of four years was 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 pretty special. And uh, you know, although we lost that first game seven to two, it, it was a very very exciting tight ball game right up until the eighth inning when when everything came unraveled. So uh, could have could have very this series could have. Easily gone the other way. Patrick Cassidy joining us in Inside Sports, managing partner for the Edmonton Prospects. In terms of uh, you know the, the the people coming to the games, I, I know you've you've developed a pretty strong following over the last few years. You have some event games like Canada Day and, and others that bring people out. The uh, weather, the rain, was not kind to you guys uh, this season. How did it turn out in the attendance category? Well, uh, surprisingly, we we still managed to. Uh, Put fifty some thousand fans through the through the gates this year, and uh, uh, increased our average game attendance slightly, not not incredibly, but slightly. And uh, I, I think, given you know the amount of rain we had in July, I think your your broadcaster was just talking about that. He, he mentioned some about twenty one days where it rained in the Edmonton area this this summer for July, and uh, we had a lot of games in July, so we were up against those twenty one days. And so um, you know, we we still we still did okay. And I think I think where where we did really well was with our suite sales this year. They were way up, and our corporate uh, some of the corporate deals we did, and we we just we're just getting tremendous support by the city, all factions, corporately and uh, from the fan base. Okay, let's talk about the other issue here, and, and you and I have discussed this on Inside Sports before. You would like a, a long-term lease for Remax Field. Uh, City Council has not gone that route with you. They are <laughs> accepting proposals from uh, from other groups who might want to uh, operate Remax Field and maybe maybe put a team there. Is 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 how I understand it. H- how is this situation playing out for you? Patrick, why why has the city communicated to you why they're not interested, at least at this time, maybe they'll decide differently in a month, but at this time, why they have not been interested in, in extending a lease with you and the prospects? Well, I think ultimately, uh, I think uh, their goal is to, you know, to, to put it out there to see if there's some higher caliber league team that might be interested in uh, coming to Edmonton and, and, and uh, taking a stab at uh, offering a baseball um, option here, and uh, that, that's really the only reason I can I can think of as to why they, you know, haven't uh, reached out and said, "Hey, let's sit down and, and negotiate and, and get something done on a long-term lease." We like we like what you're doing, and, and we like the success you've had, and let's let's see what we can do to, to build on that. Uh, I mean, a year and a half ago, we had that that five-year option, which was part of the the, the initial agreement, and. I unequivocally said that, that we would certainly be interested in extending to that fifth year and then sitting down and negotiating something longer term. Uh, we talked about a longer term deal a year ago, um, and uh, instead of sitting down and negotiating a longer term deal, which I thought was something we had 
proven ourselves and something we deserved. Um, it didn't happen, and they felt they needed to put it out to tender. And, and like I said, I, I, think, I think there's still a hope that some sort of uh, affiliated baseball uh, is, is coming back to town. I think that's their hope. I'm not sure about independent pro. I don't know if that's, that's high on the uh, wish list for the city, but I do believe that uh, they're, they're trying to find a way to, to, to bring uh, some sort of affiliated baseball to Edmonton, and that's why they keep stalling and delaying us, and, and I can't think of any other reason. Okay, well, we'll be following that story for sure. Patrick, uh, always appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you know, we had Jordan and some of your players on throughout the season as well. Wish it was still going, but you guys battled hard. Pretty competitive division and some exciting playoff games as well. Really appreciate you checking in, Patrick. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Reed. Okay, and uh, yeah, story to follow. What's going to happen with uh, the lease there at, at Remax Field Council? Probably early in the fall, we'll come to some sort of decision. Uh, you know, Patrick's been pretty... Uh, you know, obvious. It been you know that that he wants to continue uh, operating the field and having the prospects there. There is at least one other group interested. Uh, I don't know if that group is 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 chasing affiliated ball. I think that's going to be a pretty uh, pretty tough sell for some of the leagues that have affiliated ball. I'm not sure they're they're keen on coming to Canada, but we'll definitely follow that story as we go along. It is 7:14. Inside Sports on 6:30. Chat. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. All right, this texture says AAA baseball would be so amazing. I'm going to give that a snowball's chance. Uh, I, I, and I'm not trying to be, well, I am trying to be a little sarcastic, but I'm not trying to <laughs> attack that texture. That That's not happening. Um, I, I don't. I don't think affiliated ball is coming to Edmonton. Uh, I think there's another group that would that would is going to make a pitch to operate Remax Field. Um, I don't know if that would mean they operated and the prospects stay there if they were successful, and that's still an if in this whole prospect process. I I don't see, except for the Vancouver Canadians, that that's all you have playing any sort of affiliated ball in Canada, and I don't think teams that play in in Colorado or Utah or even Idaho or Montana are that keen to coming up to Edmonton even if there were other were other Canadian teams or teams in Alberta in that loop I just don't see that happening but but a, a story to follow and I uh, appreciate Patrick Cassidy checking in tonight I have a very sad Morley Scott in studio well I'm not that sad I'm over it now <laughs> you know well you don't seem over it you br- you brought it up as soon as you walked in uh, that's not someone who's over it that's someone who's dwelling on it 25 years ago today, Major League Baseball players went on strike. It resulted in the eventual cancellation of the rest of the season, including the World Series, which would have been won, which we believe (laughs) would have been won. Several computer simulations and board game simulations have shown that the Montreal Expos would have been your 1994 There's World not Series a Stratomatic champion. baseball game out there anywhere from 1994 that doesn't have the Montreal Expos as World Series champions. That was uh, a pretty incredible season. Very memorable was... season for, for me. I mean, you had the, the Blue Jays won in 92. The Blue Jays won in 93. In 94, the Blue Jays were not good. They were 55 and 60. Now, this was the year the wild card was introduced but the Blue Jays weren't going to get it. The Expos were 74-40 and 40 for a 649 winning percentage. The Yankees were 70-43 and 43 at 619. 
They went something like like twenty four and like they won twenty five or twenty four their last like twenty eight or twenty nine games that year too. Like and I think they'd had a series with the Braves where they won two out of yeah, three because that was going to be it. Oh, can they hold off the Braves? Well, they were pulling away from the Braves. Yeah, they uh, they lost their last game. That they played uh, in the strike shortened year, but uh, they were just a tremendous. They were such a good team. I remember thinking, and then it got canceled in September, right? Is when they when they September wiped, when they wiped it all off. And I remember thinking, well, okay, we gave up this year. They're not going to win it, even though they should. But at least they're going to fix the problem. And the Expos can keep John Wetland. They can keep Marquise Grissom. They can keep all these great stars. And then they just went back to the same old system in spring training and they had to trade John Wetland. They had to trade all yeah. those players that, that made them such a great team. So yeah, they'd won, Larry they Walker won, they was won in that 20 of their last 23 games. Yeah. Because <laughs> they'd had a four-game losing streak and then they won like eight in a row or something, had a loss, won a whole bunch more in a row. That was, this is, an, in 1994, This is it's always going to be talked about because every team... I mean, the Yankee fans are saying, oh, we'd have an extra one because we would have won. I mean, but we know the Expos would have won. So this was the year they switched from the two-division per league format to the three-division per league format and added the wildcard team. So you would have had the three-division winners and the best second-place team. And this is often forgotten because there was a year, I can't remember what it was, I think the Padres were a game over 500 and won the NL West, and people would complain about that. At the time of the strike... In 1994, the Texas Rangers were leading the AL West with a 456 winning oh. percentage. They were 52 and 62. I'm sorry, the Texas Rangers were leading the CFL East with a what? Yeah, the <laughs> Oakland was 51 and 63. Wow. So you would have had, barring somebody, you, you would have had probably about a 450, maybe even 440 team in the playoffs that year. So the way the way the standings were at that time, the White Sox led the Central, Cleveland would have been the wild card, the Expos led the East in the NL, Atlanta would have been the wild card and uh Cincinnati and the uh, LA and the LA Dodgers were only playing 509 ball, 58 and 56. Mm-hmm. So you so what would the the Expos likely would have played the Dodgers in the first round because you couldn't play a wild card team in your own division at that time. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah and the yeah. Reds would have played. What the was the Expos race. record? 74 and 40. Yeah, that's a good team. That's yeah, that was a team. that was a very if good you, team. If the, one of my if you sorry. go back from that there's that stretch from the the late 80s to 94 uh, and even past that, there's no team in baseball that has a record like the Expos. I don't know if there's a team in sports history that has been so good over a stretch of games in the regular season and not won anything. And and they were always selling off players. Yeah, I, the, you read the Jonah Carey book. Yeah, great and he book. he yeah. argues that even in their second or third year of existence, they were already having to give away, like trade away good players. But they always drafted so well, yeah. so well, so well, so well, and then yeah. eventually they had yeah over that stretch they probably had three go rounds right in in the rebuild, and and you know they they had that great original core group of great players with you know Dawson Carter and all that group of players and then they kind of went to the next group and and were successful with them with with the Walkers and the Grissoms and they went on they had another kind of group that that played really well. One of my favorite stats about the 94 Expos is they had seven players with still basically 50 games left in the season. They already had seven players in double digits in steals. Cliff Floyd had 10. Mike Lansing had 12. Sean Barry had 14. Sean Barry? I don't even remember yeah, him. Yeah, uh, third base. Larry Walker had 15. Will Cordero had 16. Lou Fraser had 20. And Marquise Grissom had 36. 
And Moises Alou had seven, so he would have got to 10 eventually. Yeah. It was just such a well-rounded team. Yep. Ken Hill, Pedro Martinez, Jeff Facero, Butch Henry, Kirk, how did you say it again? Kirk Reeder? Kirk, Kirk Reeder. Reeder. Kirk Reeder. Yeah. It looks like Reeder. Yeah, Wetland had 25 saves. Mel Rojas had 16 saves. They're a good team. Who was the manager? Uh, wasn't it Felipe? Felipe Alou. Yeah, Felipe Alou. Yeah. So, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I got, uh, and I've, I've talked about this before, but I have my, when I go for my walks on the road, I have my Expos hat that I always wear. It's just Good. disgustingly stained with sweat and dirty, and it's I've had it for years. And very rarely in any city in Canada do I walk around with that hat on and someone goes, hey, nice hat. I always go, go Expos. Expos. Even in Montreal, yeah. people... Say stuff to you. I always that. golf in my Expos hat, and yeah. somebody always says, "Hey." I went for I went for a walk in um, in Montreal the morning after the uh, uh, the Eskimos lost in Montreal this year, and a guy I don't know if, if he was wearing an Alouette's cap, and I don't know if if he was what his life situation was, but he came up to me and I'm I'm listening to music and he starts pointing at me at my hat, right? So I right. take my earbuds out and he says, "They're never coming back." You know that. They're never coming back. And then he points to his hat, which is not, which is an Alouette's hat, and he goes, "And despite what happened last night, they're never going to win anything." And then he wow. just kept just kept walking. I went, all right, thank you. Let's go to caller number two now. Love, love, love the negative energy. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's good. Nothing that's good is ever going to happen. It's great. It's, uh, it's great. The 90s were an... I, I would say in my life, the 90s was when I followed baseball the closest. Me too, yeah. The, the Blue Jays were good. The Expos at least hung around most years and had some interesting players. And then later on in the 90s, you really got the advent of fantasy baseball where you could just log into Yahoo and join a league or create a league with your buddies. I, I was in that era in the in the late 80s when they were really good. I guess the late 70s and 80s, right? Right. When they were really good. You know, there's no internet and everything, and you're glued to the radio to hear the partial scores, and you're phoning radio station newsrooms, you know, at 9 o'clock at night. What's the Expo score? What's the Expo score? Because you, you only got two or three games a week back then, right, on yeah. TV, if that. Oh, I remember yeah, watching yeah. Expo games in French because... You couldn't get them in English, them, so yeah. you're watching them in French. And, and yeah, it, it was a different era. Like they, they were appointment viewing when they were on. You made room, you made room in your life to watch them because they were so entertaining right through that stretch there. And, and now they're gone, and hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll come back. I know they're, they're, they've been working on it for many years. They're in the same position now, and if you, you read Jonah Carey's book, uh, which is a, a highly recommended if you're an Expos fan, uh, they're in the same position now that they were back in 69 when they came into the league. They don't have an owner. They don't have a ballpark. Right. So they managed to get it off the ground in 69, so we'll see if they can, they can do it now. I don't know. All right. Tough uh, sledding, though. Coach's show coming up from 7.30 to 8 with, uh, with Jason Moss and you, and uh, the Eskimos pulling out. I had a good chat with Blake about that game between 6.30 and 7.30. Did they come out uh, except for Tanner Green? Did they get out of this one fairly high? I think so. We're, we're uh, watching them practice today, and for the most part, I believe everybody was uh, in the same position practicing today that they were last week, which is... Doesn't doesn't happen very often. Although Tanner Green's a tough loss when you've already lost. Because now they're down party. to their third string. Yeah, better. is that yeah. Peter? Is yeah. Peter Sender? That's uh, the third yes, string Peter guy. Yes, Peter Sender, uh, who will be the guest on the King's Court, by the way. Oh, good. Uh, we'll have that tomorrow. tomorrow. So you'll hear that tomorrow, tomorrow morning, and tomorrow evening. And uh, uh, James Tuck might play some fullback too. He's been a he's been a fullback. He's been a linebacker. Mostly, spe- he's a special teams demon, right? So uh, he might he's came into the game a little bit with the big guys package uh, at times on short yardage. So uh, yeah, he might get some opportunities too. Or they might have to go out and sign somebody too. The, the the BC Lions, it is... They're jinxed, I'm telling you. Uh, I mean, they've, they're they they're not a great team. They've lost some games pretty badly. I think you could say they're a bad team, actually. But they... 
Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> One win. But they, I mean, th- this loss to Hamilton and the loss to, to Calgary, those are yeah. just stunners. Absolutely. Um, they have another one in there that was kind of weird, too, was it not? Uh, well, they beat Toronto. They, yeah, they, they that's, almost that's, blew it yeah, against they Toronto, had, but they, they had, won. They yeah. had so many games that have been spun around in the last couple of minutes. But, yeah, that loss to Hamilton, that, that, that's that got to be just absolutely crushing. I will say this, Mike Riley looked pretty good in that game. Yeah, uh, he did. So he, did White. Uh, yes, exactly. So, yeah, Riley looked pretty good. So if he's starting to come around and play like we know, we all know he can, maybe there's hope for them. We'll be, I guess we cheer for the Lions this week, right? Because right? they're playing BC, uh, Winnipeg. So. What about that final play though? With the 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 uh, who was the BC punt, the kick returner that punted it to himself? Oh and yeah, he la- and then he yeah. lateral. Oh, they they, they got foul, some right? decent yardage yeah, on that yeah. one, but that that would have been an amazing play if they pulled That's it wild. off. Yeah. All right, Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. We'll be back from 6 to 8 tomorrow night, but we call it early this evening to bring in Jason Moss with Morley Scott. In the 7th, the Blue Jays leading Texas 17-1. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.